Mimeo Talk of the Trade, sharing marketing and sales success stories. Hey everyone, Mike here with another episode of Mimeo's Talk of the Trade podcast, where we share marketing and sales success stories. Our goal for the show is for our listeners to get some useful takeaways to apply to their own revenue missions. We're now available on all major podcast distributors, including Spotify and Apple. So choose your favorite podcatcher and subscribe to the show. Today's episode is titled The Key to ABM Success, Marketing and Sales Coordination. Our guest is Nick Bennett. Nick is the Director of Account-Based Marketing and Field Marketing at Alice and host of the Rep Your Brand podcast. Good to have you, Nick. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, we appreciate the time. We know you're a busy man, a lot going on at Alice, a lot going on with your podcast. So um, you are very gracious to uh, come on the pod. Absolutely. So uh, for, for folks out there that are listening and, and might not know, uh, you know much about Alice or about you specifically, tell us a little bit about Alice, uh, you know, the company and your role there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Alice is a corporate gifting platform. So our whole mission is delivering personalization at scale. And so we do that in a few different ways. And so my role specifically as, you know, the director of account based and field marketing is I, I have a, a team uh, that handles ABM for our expansion side and our customers. And then right now I'm actually handling uh, anything ABM, our named accounts for our net new side of the business as well. Um, and just really working cross-functionally with all the functions within marketing, working really closely with sales to make sure that we're bridging that, that gap and that sales and marketing alignment. Um, and ultimately driving what we all care about in both sales and marketing, revenue and pipeline. Jack of all trades, it sounds like. Sounds like you're covering a lot of key initiatives on driving that pipe in revenue. So well done. Uh, it looks like uh, some exciting times over at Alice. Uh, you guys announced some Series B funding to the tune of $30 million in April. So uh, first, congratulations. And second, uh, what does that funding mean for you and your team specifically? Yeah, thank you so much. It's an, it's an exciting time. Ultimately, obviously, you know, more funding means the goals are going up. And so mm-hmm. being able to have those additional resources to leverage, whether it's software, whether it's the headcount or resources, like whatever it is to make sure that you're leveraging to be able to hit those numbers. Yeah, it's, uh, it's got a, a lot of positives tied to it. It sounds like, and, you know, I'd imagine everyone at Alice is excited. Your customers are probably really excited and um, sounds like it's going to give you guys some security on the team, some ability to really double down on some of the initiatives that you mentioned and probably that we'll talk about today. So congrats again. Appreciate it. Yeah. What about, uh, what about your job do you love most? I ask everybody this, uh, or I try to uh, when they come on the podcast, but what's the favorite part of, of your job on a day-to-day? Honestly, working with sales uh, is probably my favorite thing. It's it's funny enough, I actually started off in sales before I moved over to marketing. And I feel like many people that are in marketing should probably start off in sales before they go into marketing. It just gives you it, it gives you a better appreciation for what they do every single day. And like being able to say, you know, like, hey, when they say walk in my shoes, like, okay, I've done that. Like I, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. And like being able to just realize that the programs that I'm doing is moving the needle at the end of the day and, and seeing these sales reps, you know, close these massive deals and, and obviously make a ton of money. I'm not making the, these commission deals right. off of it. I wish I was, but, um, you know, that's probably my favorite thing, just being able to see, you know, the, the, the deals moving the needle and, uh, working with these reps who, you know, honestly, I developed really close relationships with a lot of them. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that's the, the definition of partnership right there. If you're saying your favorite part of your job is to support your internal customer and partner, uh, they got to be pretty stoked about working with you. So I think that's probably a good sign for them, and they're, uh, they're probably in pretty good shape. Thank you. Yeah, so today, as I said before, um, you know, our goal is to talk about the key to ABM success as it relates to you know, marketing and sales coordination. What's one of the first things that comes to mind when you're thinking about must-haves for a successful ABM collaboration between sales and marketing? Yes, uh, I definitely think buy-in is a big piece of it because if I've seen this before personally, marketing says, "Okay, you know, we're going to come up with this this ABM strategy." Great, they they develop the list, they develop the tactics, channels, everything that they want to execute. However, sales they go to sales and say, "All right, I've got these hundred accounts I'm going to go after." Sales comes back and says. Oh, okay. You know, where'd you get this list? Like 50 of these are trash. Like they're just opportunities that we wouldn't even engage with. And so that's where buy-in from both sales and marketing kind of comes in. Honestly, it has to start at the top, like CRO, CMO, VP of marketing, VP of sales, whatever it is on both sides, they need to come together and like, maybe they're not the ones that are coming up with like, okay, let's do an ABM strategy. Maybe it's someone like myself, but going to them and like bringing everyone together to say, okay, this is we're going to align on all of these questions and all of these metrics that we need to answer. Um, that's how you succeed. But ultimately, you really want ABM to be a company-wide effort. And so what I mean by that is like sales and marketing are doing their things, but you you ultimately should bring in customer success, like your account management team, like anyone that rallies around a revenue org within the company should have some type of input or visibility into like what's actually happening for it to be successful. Yeah. I think that that's huge. The buy-in, you know, it's true in other partnerships and missions within an organization, but if all the players aren't bought into the idea that it's going to have an ROI, it's going to lead to success for themselves, their teams and the organization, uh, you know, you might lose a lot of great work by not having everybody on the same page. So um, I think there's a, there's a lot there. And you talked about the, the collaboration uh, across multiple teams and the participation uh, across multiple teams. You know, how important is that to create the ideal customer journey or at least the customer journey that you're trying to take a, a prospect and an eventual account that's been won on over time? Yeah, I mean, if you if you think about it, like ABM has been around for a long time. Like you're starting to see more companies use like an ABX or ABE, which is like account based everything, and like that's where like they're getting across the entire life cycle. Because yeah, like you could have say a hundred accounts that you're going after on the net news side, and you know you you've got that whole piece down. You land these accounts. What what happens next? It's like okay, then they're being passed off to CS. Um, what happens comes like renewal time, like how are you preventing them from churning? Like what goes into like that whole piece? And if like they're doing their own thing siloed, but they don't have the same process that you're using on the net news side, it, it just, it causes disruption. And like, if you're looking to just get started, it's fine to start on the sales and marketing side, but over time, as this develops, you should definitely bring in the other functions too. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, that post-sale element, you know, so much of ABM is, is, you know, using data to drive your decisions and engagement. And if the service and success teams aren't collecting the right type of Intel, 
right? Getting you uh, actionable stuff from their interactions with your customer base, then you don't really know what the best move is if you're looking to cross sell or upsell, or like you said, renew. So um, it's truly like an entire life cycle, uh, you know, collaboration that's required if you want to drive the, the highest level of success. Yep, absolutely. I was going to say absolutely. And so like another piece of it is like Alice specifically is a very much like a land and expand model. And so, I mean, for us, we want to make sure that we're targeting accounts on the net news side that will ultimately allow us to have them be successful all the way through on the customer side and expand into other functions too. Yeah. How many, you know, you said the land and expand, you know, what's typical of, you know, we'll call it a, a middle to enterprise uh, size org that you're, you're going after. How many unique opportunities might your team be able to drive? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, you know, some of our larger customers, we have probably about six to 10 different business units and orgs, you know, using us, a lot of people will use us say on like the SDR or BDR side for net new. And like, that's, they're going to say, okay, I'm going to use gifting to book net new meetings. Great. That's, that's a hundred percent use case. However, there's actually like 17 different milestones or moments that you could use gifting for across the entire buyer's life cycle. And it's like, okay, you know, events is a huge piece of it. Like, we, uh, we call them like wake the dead campaigns, like close lost opportunities that you can kind of bring back um, customer milestones. Like if you know someone's having a baby or, you know, someone's birthday, Hey, send them a little something just kind of keeps you top of mind. And then you start to break into the customer success teams. You've got marketing using us for the events, you got sales using us BDRs. And so like, it can get into so many different pieces. And then like the larger enterprises, you have all the different business units within those accounts. So it's like, it can, it can get really, really massive. And that's, that's a huge thing for us is like making sure that we're targeting accounts that like will support that land and expand strategy. Yeah. And it, that's, that's pretty awesome, right. To have that much, we'll call it addressable market within, you know, one organization, you know, depending on its size, uh, gives a lot of, um, you know, I think it's encouraging to the sales team. I'd imagine to know, Hey, you know what, I've won this, but you know, if I play my cards right and I collaborate with my marketing partners and my success partners in service, you know, I could really double down and turn this into something that's, uh, you know, a multiplier. Yep, absolutely. It's, it, it's funny that you mentioned that too, because it's like, we actually have a newer rep that he's been here for about four months now. And um, he, he's actually a top performing rep because he thinks exactly like that. He's closed about nine deals in four months. Um, and so he was, he was a previous user of Alice, to be fair. So he was very familiar with the product, which helped him in a sales role. But like, he's, he's absolutely crushed it because he knows how to like leverage every function within us, but also how to turn that around and then like leverage like the value to these organizations that he's selling into. Yeah, that's impressive. And especially for a new new guy or gal coming on board, even if they know the product, you know, it's still a grind, right? You still got to yeah. be strategic and uh, be hustling and, and, and kind of making sure your outbound engagement activity is where it needs to be. In the first four months, it should be through the roof, right? Yep, so absolutely good, good for him. Uh, I love those stories, right? Someone coming in and hustling out of the gate and just kind of leaving some, some of the legacy people in the dust, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, it, it tends to raise the game of everyone if they're paying attention. So, yep. um, 
So that, you know, talking again about uh, the, the customer journey, right? I'd imagine that's really important to you guys when you're talking about ABM because of that fact that you have these ongoing sales opportunities under one roof. You know, how much do you guys talk about it and, and, and you know, how important is it to your day-to-day when sales and marketing are collaborating? Yeah, honestly, it, it's very important. And like, personally, like I get asked a lot, how do we do ABM at Alice? Like, how do we do this? And so I'm, I'm actually putting together a few in, in ebook right now that kind of walks through the whole process. And like, I tell us to our sales team all the time, gifting isn't a silver bullet in an ABM strategy because a lot of times salespeople think it is, but it, it's not. And so there's so many, it's just another tactic. And so there's right. so many tactics that go into the overall pipeline strategy of building, you know, actual pipeline. And it's just figuring out how to leverage all of those pillars or pieces to pull it, pull it together. Yeah. You know, give things at the core of what we do, but there's so many other things that I'm doing in the background that are providing like air cover, but also as the kind of a deal is moving more down the funnel, we can do some additional things that will hopefully pull the right levers and and push them through further. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And I think uh, it's, it's pretty powerful to think about, Hey, you know, gifting is something that we're really good at, but it's just one channel um, of many, and going back to the buy-in component, right, where we started here, if they're not bought in that each channel has its value and requires a certain activity from them on the sales side or certain coverage from the marketing side, you know, you're leaving dollars and opportunity on the table by not, you know, pretty much pulling every lever uh, that you have available. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, last question on the, on the buy-in side, you know, we all have heard, uh, you know, I'm sure, and maybe even experienced at one time or another, those horror stories uh, where, you know, sales and marketing might not be in sync, right? They think uh, on one side or the other that, you know, one's holding up more uh, of their end of the bargain or that, you know, the, the overall plan is flawed, whatever it might be, right? You know, people get snippy and might have this uh, contentious uh, position towards their peers and colleagues. So it happens, right? Um, sometimes to a greater extent than others, but in situations where sales might not be in sync with marketing's ABM strategy, or at least as much as they need to be, how do you create or improve buy-in? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it goes into showing what the overall strategy can look like. It's I'll be honest, like for us, it was very much a spray and pray kind of mentality before we switched to like an account-based motion. And it was like, okay, people would just send gifts out and like they would book meetings from it. And that's that's what it was. There was no rhyme or reason, but you can't scale that. And it costs a lot of money as well. Um, and so like to get them to like buy in, it's like showing like a very targeted approach of like, hey, you know, you were able to 5X, you know, this when you were doing it uh, as like a spray and pray, but if we switch to this whole methodology of like how we're going to do things and this is how we're going to do it, we could like 20 to 40 X the, the right. ROI that we would get on it. And like, if you can talk in a salesperson's kind of like mentality, like for them, they, they care about money. What, what What's going to drive them and make the most money at the end of the day. And like, that's always been something that's been key for me of like talking like sales. And when I start talking about money and like, Hey, I'm just going to put more money in your pockets. They start to listen. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a, that'll get their ears perked up for sure. If they're uh, the right type of salespeople, you know, not everybody needs to be driven by money, but I, for one, uh, do like to hear from my sales folks that they are driven by money in, in one way or another. 
right? Yeah. But yeah, building that equity and credibility with results and, and you know, showing them what's in it for them goes a long way. So I think that's yeah. a really good call out there, Nick. Um, all right. So, you know, moving on from the buy-in component, that's kind of a baseline, right? Getting everybody on board that this ABM strategy is going to bring us the results that we're seeking and give us upside that maybe we can't even imagine, right? So a big part of uh, that, you know, any ABM strategy is identifying the target accounts, right? Who you're going to go after. How important is it for sales and marketing to work on this together? It's, it's honestly, it's, it's, it's incredibly important. Like if, if they're not working on it together, you have a, you have a bigger issue. Um, and because it's, it's going to go back to kind of like what I mentioned before, marketing is going to say, well, look, you know, I got all these, you know, based on these MQLs and everything, I think these are the accounts we go after. Sales is going to say, first of all, MQLs, I'm not a big fan of those anyways. Um, and we don't measure MQLs here at Alice. We use uh, marketing qualified accounts, but it, it comes back to like, Marketing says this, sales says this, there's no, you know, coming at it together. And so like, we, we have a very, a, we have a very kind of methodical approach of like how we go after enrolling accounts into an a, our ABM motion. And so like, there's actually four pieces of it that we look at to make sure that we're like hitting on and both sales and marketing came up with this. And then we evaluate their named account list. And then we kind of take from that named account list, um, breaking it down and say, okay, these are the, the three that we're starting with. And then we, we build on that. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, they got to play a role again, you know, when it's going back to that buy-in, if uh, there's a shared perspective on something being a good target, they're more likely to follow up and execute on, you know, certain KPIs or lead engagements when they reach certain milestones. And um, I think that's big. And I think that's where some organizations miss the pitch, right? Is they don't work together on saying, this is who we want to get business from. And these are the reasons why we think they're good targets, right? Yep, absolutely. so, you know, I know that when picking target accounts, you know, sometimes I know it's a balance, right? But, you know, you look at, I think, uh, likelihood of conversion and also uh, revenue potential are, are two, you know, main drivers of, of what would make up a, an ideal target account. Which of the two do you think is more important, um, at least at Alice? It's, you know, that's, that, it's definitely a good question. Like, I think for us, it, it's probably more revenue potential. And like, I'll take a step back, like the, the four things, and I think this will help kind of like answer that question, but the four things that we look at specifically when selecting ABM accounts is the first piece is accounts with the biggest potential for growth to complement our land and expand strategy. So that goes more to the revenue side. The second piece is accounts that are already identified on our named account list, which we can only pull from there. The third piece is best fit accounts based on our ability to service them and make them successful present day. And so that's kind of an important one on the conversion piece, because it's like, we don't want accounts that are going to be, you know, very difficult to work with. Like we're, we're a straightforward kind of company. We have some integrations. Great. If you want to use grifting, gifting, awesome. But like when it gets really, really complicated and we can't make that as successful as possible, it just goes into like, you know, they're probably going to churn at the end of the year or whatever right. it is. And then the, the last piece, and this is, this is a really important one for us. It's accounts that add credibility to our brand and the enterprise space. And so like, 
that we, we really target the accounts that will be like, you know, like the Octas and the Adobe's and Ring Central's of the world. And when other accounts see, oh, you guys are a user of Alice, like maybe I should look at them because I'm a company that is similar to them. Um, and so we actually get a ton of inbound from our credibility uh, in the space too. Yeah. Is that a, you know, do you guys in marketing and, and as an organization push your sales folks to try to secure things or, you know, use as maybe negotiating levers or trade options, things like case studies or the usage of a logo on the website or in marketing materials? We, we definitely do. Honestly, a lot of our, a lot of our customers have no issue like speaking or giving up like case studies like that. Um, like we just, I mean, I think like last week alone, we released three case studies. It was like sales loft, like Webroot and one other, one other company. And nice. so like we, we released so many case studies just because the, these marketers come to us and it's, it's interesting because we sell to marketers, but it's usually the salespeople that are using us, but the marketers are running everything on the back end. So it's like, right. they love to have like, talk about these stories because we're helping them crush their pipeline goals and revenue numbers. And like, we just make them look good at the end of the day. So like, they'll be like, yeah, happy to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, that's, listen, that's uh, probably a really good indicator that you guys are doing a lot right. If your customers are that willing to kind of scream from the mountaintops, use Alice, right? This is what they're doing for us. And I think there's also an element, uh, like you said, you know, you're impacting the revenue and helping them accomplish their mission but also makes them look good, right? To be able to kind of evangelize that, hey, we made this decision, partnered with this organization, and look what happened, right? Yep. So I think Absolutely. it builds off of you adding value and really driving results. And uh, those things kind of uh, tend to follow, uh, you know, naturally. Yeah, and, and you kind of also, you know, kind of going to that, we've, we've seen like, people in marketing promoted from like using us because like they've done so much and like being able to drive so much pipeline that they've been promoted into like higher roles and like stuff like that is things that I personally love to see because it's like, Hey, you know, yeah, you know, there's so many tools that you can pick out there, but like how many of them actually like get you promoted at the end of the day? Yeah. That's a fantastic call out because, you know, I can think of over the years here, similar scenarios, right. Where we are, um, helping a stakeholder and organization drive, whether it might be cost savings or time savings and improving logistics and their customer experience. And, you know, you you see what that has led to for their career development and status of being the, hey, this was my idea and look what, uh, uh, you know, we're now bringing to the table because of it. That's very, very gratifying. Absolutely. Very cool. Now, um, you know, one more question about the identification of target accounts. Do you guys find that you're doing, you know, when marketing and sales are collaborating, do you do a lot of, you know, one-to-one execution or is it more of a one-to-many program that you guys see yourselves concentrating on more often? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. So right now, because it's still early on, it's it's a a one-to-one approach. And so the the one-to-many is more of the like, for the named accounts, it's more of like evergreen ads that we're running in the background to hopefully convert them, putting them in nurture streams. Like for the ABM account specifically, it's really one-to-one. Like we've got account specific landing pages that I'm manually creating for each account that's personalized to them. I've got display ads that are running in the background, you know, to these accounts. The BDRs have created custom cadences that they're, you know, running in outreach that, 
between these three things, along with like a bunch of other channels, like it all plays into the overall strategy, but like those three things are kind of part of like the core of that, like one-to-one. Yeah, that's great. And even with the one-to-one, as you called out, you know, it gives you that truly customized and, you know, that individual prospect or customer experience that all data pretty much points to as being uh, a huge driver of success and closed deals, right? Yep. So the more you can personalize, the better. I think for a lot of people, and you know, talking about sales specifically, it's finding the balance of scale and personalization, right? But when you work with marketing and you're partnering and you have that buy-in and you have a shared perspective on what you're going after and why, I think it's much easier to find that balance. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, yeah, I think really great points, Nick, around, you know, the identification of target accounts and then how you go after them once you've, you know, determined, hey, this is what we collectively think should be our top targets. Um, So let's move on to, you know, the actual execution and the orchestration of ABM campaigns or ABM execution. How important is accountability? Um, you know, and driving accountability from both sides, you know, at the orchestration and execution stage. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely it, it's really important. So we use we use Six Sense here to drive all of the intent on the back end within like the dark funnel, and that's kind of like been our whole like intent platform of like being able to leverage that everything that we do to qualify accounts is is off that data as well. Um, but it, it's you know we have we have dashboards that are built in Salesforce. We have very segmented lists that are built in Sixth Sense that we can get really targeted on, like who we want to send stuff to. Like the BDRs and outreach have got their like custom cadences that we're measuring. You know what their whole kind of like success looks like from from that piece of it. And everyone can just kind of like pop in and like see where we are. And, and we're fortunate where every month we do a uh, a monthly marketing metrics result meeting. And so like senior leadership is there. Anyone can honestly pop in. Um, and we just, we have a deck. So each function within marketing goes over the pre- previous month. You know, what were the successes? What were the failures? Where can we improve? And, and honestly, it's been great. And even like, you know, our, our CEO and CRO, like they pop in, they can just see all this information in kind of like one spot and walk away, say, okay, I understand what the strategy is. I understand where we are or where we could kind of push a little harder or invest more money into. Um, and that's been huge for us. Yeah, I'd imagine, right? You know, I was kind of going down the road of, you know, the visibility, um, you know, how important is it to have that visibility into the, the metrics on the sales and marketing side, but getting that visibility at large within the organization, right? And the, the check-ins, it sounds like at a monthly interval for you guys, um, is a great opportunity to get everybody looped in on what you guys are doing, what's working and what's not. So I think that's definitely a best practice. Yeah. Yep. Now, and the, you know, in terms of the, you know, if you have this buy-in, right. And you guys agree on the target accounts, like we talked about on the sales and marketing sides, and you have these data points or metrics that are indicators for action or next steps. You know, do you guys choose to make it something that's available and people can kind of uh, proactively engage with the metrics? Or is this something that you push out to all the stakeholders to make sure it's top of mind? Yeah, it's it's definitely that I push out and make sure that it's top of mind. Although, you know, being aligned with like the, the sales team, I, it's, it's helpful because like I'll... 
relay everything to them. They'll push it down to their sales team. And then I'm usually pushing it through to marketing. We kind of push it through different pieces, but we also, we, we do have it. All of this information can be captured in our Salesforce kind of like dashboard that we've built. And so anyone that wants to could pop in there and easily kind of dive deeper if they wanted to into like where things currently are and just have that visibility into like, okay, Hey, We've got, say, 50 accounts on the net new side. How many did we break into last month or last quarter? How much pipeline do we have? You know, what's that, what's that average conversion look like? Um, it's all just readily available information for anyone that does want to look at it. Good stuff. Yeah, and I think that visibility is hugely important, right? Yeah. And if you, if you have a shared perspective on success or what success is, you can look every day to determine whether or not as a team you know, as partners, you're meeting it, right? And uh, it can drive some good, you know, you wanted it to think that everything is kind of proactive and you're out in front of it at all times, but sometimes you need to be able to determine, hey, we're, we're falling behind in an area or a channel that we need to, you know, pick up the pace on. And, uh, you know, that's what's going to drive that, that success. So talk about, you know, open communication and a feedback loop. And, you know, how you've built one and, you know, how it's added value. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's an important, especially for companies like our size. So like, we're more of like that, like mid market. Um, yep. And so like being able to, there's, there's only two people on the ABM team here. So it's a very small team. Um, and so being able to have that open communication and feedback loop with, for me, the, the sales team, and then for my counterpart, like being able to have it on like the customer success and account management team. It, it's been really in, in, impactful because like, you know, we're just two people, like there's things that could fall through the cracks very, very often um, just because there's so many like moving pieces and we don't have a bunch of different resources to help us with it. Um, and so like just being able to, I have, for example, like I have a weekly one-on-one with every single sales rep. Um, is that probably excessive? Maybe. Um, some people would probably say yes. Cause I talked to some others in like ABM world and like, they're like, Oh, I talked to sales like once or twice a month. Um, if that, and I'm like, Oh, really? Like, how do you like, how do you have feedback? And they're like, honestly, like, I just kind of like do my thing. And the programs have been running around for you know, a year or two years. So like they've kind of established it. It's still newer for us. So it's having that feedback loop is important to figure out where we can kind of test and refine, um, and get better. And so like, Having these one-on-ones, having the one-on-ones with our, you know, sales leadership and then our CRO kind of like, so you see all, all different versions of it. You've got like that, like high level, what, what he wants to see our CRO sales management, what's important to them. And then the actual sales reps themselves, who these accounts benefit at the end of the day, like what's important for them, what, how they're kind of, um, communicating and keep, keeping a flow of information going back and forth. We use, we use this thing called blueprinting. And so they, they used to be on Excel spreadsheets. We finally just moved them into Salesforce. But basically what, what happens is each account uh, for ABM, they go through a blueprinting process of like, any digital breadcrumb that is out there about this company, the BDR and the AE and myself, we all get together and we, we write all this information down. Um, whether it's, you know, hey, they're doing webinars on XYZ or they have a podcast about this. This is who from their leadership team has been talking about or interviewing. Like we take all of that and we put it into kind of like a, a one spot one-stop shop in Salesforce that we can then leverage for content, like any programs that we're running and like being able to have a communication and feedback loop on that piece of it is definitely been important. 
Yeah, I, listen, you know, the data, uh, you know, a lot of people think about it as being, you know, the quantitative side, right? You know, what can we measure? What are these key data points or uh, metrics that we need to keep an eye on that tells us, you know, how we should engage or go after this account or this audience? But the subjective is overlooked sometimes, right? Finding the details that are out there for you to pick up and kind of say, hey, you know what, this might be uh, something that's not necessarily measurable, but this could be a real uh, a good thing to, to draw, you know, pull off of when we're figuring out what our next move is. So yep, absolutely. I like that. And I also like, listen, that cadence of uh, feedback with sales, I think you're on the right side of things versus uh, the once every couple of months. So don't beat yourself up too much there. You know? <laughs> it's, I, I know, it, you know it, it, it comes back. We're all in a lot of meetings. We're all in like Zoom fatigue world, but I don't know. Like I, I want to make sure that I set people up for success at the end of the day. And like, if I have to sit in 12 meetings for a day and, you know, I, I try to, front load them to like Mondays. So it, it helps. Um, so like Mondays, it's, it's absolutely hell. But like, after that, like, it's, it's, it's a little bit better. It's, it's not as many meetings, but I think it really does go to like, be a bigger benefit to the alignment. Yeah, listen, you, you meet and, and you're uh, talking that often, you're more likely to have an open dialogue, right? And that's where the, the little tidbits come through, I find, that you might not get otherwise if you're having some sort of more symbolic than productive uh, meeting environment, you're not going to get the actionable stuff. But if you're talking to people really often, um, you're likely to going to get the good stuff. One, one question about uh, something you said a few minutes back, and I just want to get a little background on this for the audience, but you said here at Alice, we don't use MQLs anymore. We use marketing qualified accounts. Tell me more about that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's actually, so I've been wanting to preach this for about a year and a half now. And no, not many companies have adopted this model because you really need like an intent tool, like a sixth sense or Bombora to be able to like help with that. But like we, there's, for us, we would much rather score an account and then pass that over to the BDR team or AE versus like scoring individual leads. And like, we've had honestly a lot more success with it. Um, and I, I've done, I've done MQLs at, at many different companies. And like, you've got like one of my last companies, like we had like a three page document of like, okay, these are all the things that go into a lead scoring. It was a very convoluted, like, process that like no one really wanted to do. And like, we had to, because it's like, okay, Hey, we got to get MQLs. Like here's marketing is here's, you know, 50 MQLs. Great. Salespeople don't care about MQLs at the end of the day. Salespeople care again, what's going to make them help hit their quota president's club, whatever it is. And so like, if you can dumb that down, I don't want to say dumb that down because it's not a dumbed down process, but if you can switch that to a qualified account perspective, pass that over to the BDR team, our BDRs roll up under marketing. So it's a little bit easier. And so when you have that qualified account, it's then up to the BDR to find contacts or leads on like a, you know, sales nav or whatever to then feed into the account. The account itself is qualified. It's up to them to then find the key kind of like people. Yep. Interesting. So when you talk about, and I really like where, where you're coming from there, it sounds like you're trying to build a, a metric that people can believe in more than say the traditional MQL, which, you know, listen, you can call anything, whatever the hell you want, but if it's not really driving results or giving people a, a warm audience to touch into, you know, who cares what you call it, right? But 
Yeah. So, but marketing qualified accounts. So is it, I guess what, what would make, or what drives an, an MQA we'll call it, if not an aggregation of, you know, we'll call it contact lead scores. How do you determine that it's a, a legit MQA? Yeah. So it goes into, it goes into a few different things. So like for us, like six cents will tell us when these companies based on their the, the intent that they've researched are in a decision or purchase stage. And so when they, there's four stages that six cents use, it's like awareness, consideration, purchase, uh, decision, purchase. And so the, the, the latter half is, is really what we focus on. And once it hits a decision or purchase based on what we know about these accounts. So say 30% of, uh, you know, the funnel is, is known stuff. So like form fills, uh, anything that they're raising their hand, you understand that piece. 70% of it is what they call like the dark funnel. So like abandonments of form fills, like basically keyword searches on like a Google or something like you don't typically see this stuff because it's not on your website itself. And so like being able to capture, for example, we have about 200 keywords that are important to us that we set up. And so when we have accounts that are searching specific keywords, we can see not who's searching those keywords, but the account that's searching those right. keywords. And if we like, if we get triggers that people are searching our competitors or people are searching gifting or different kind of things or like one-to-one, it progresses them with a higher intent score, which then pushes them down to a decision or purchase and yep. then tricks, uh, traps them over to, to an MQA. And then basically from the MQA, it goes into an opportunity and then to a sales accepted opportunity and then close one. So it's like a pretty straightforward kind of path. Yeah, I like it though. I think that's cool. I appreciate you sharing that. And I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of you know how you're determining that it reaches a certain threshold and what that threshold means in what the next steps are for you know the BDR that's going to take that account and then get more granular and targeted with the outreach you know so yep very cool and uh, I like uh, I like the different take on it so um, in general I've really appreciated all your insights here and I'm sure the audience has as well Nick um, if it, you know I'm going to sum it up I'm hearing from you that. In order to have, you know, a world-class ABM execution strategy as it relates to marketing sales coordination, you need to first have buy-in. Everybody needs to be bought into the mission, bought into the terms, definitions of success, and that's essential. Then they need to be collaborating on what is, you know, uh, the fundamental, we'll call it, uh, foundation of a good ABM strategy, which is targeting the right accounts, identifying those target accounts, and believing in those targeted accounts and, and kind of going at them in parallel. And then finally, there's gotta be accountability around orchestration and execution, right? Everyone's gotta do what they're supposed to do and have to believe in you know, what's happening uh, by way of measurement of engagement, what are our actionable data points, et cetera. Yeah. I think a lot of great stuff and uh, I've got to say, uh, we really appreciate you joining today. I think the audience is going to love it. Um, before we uh, let you go, though, if someone in the audience has uh, heard this today and wants to get in touch with, say, you or Alice or you know, wants to find Rep Your Brand, how do they do it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, find me on LinkedIn. It's where I spend most of my time, you know, happy to, uh, happy to have any conversations. If you're interested in Alice, go to alice.com, check it out. Um, or send me a, you know, send me a DM on LinkedIn. I'm happy to, uh, demo the product myself to you. And, uh, lastly, if you want to find rep your brand, just, you know, subscribe or find it on Spotify or Apple. Uh, it's on, on those two pages, uh, as well. Thanks again, Nick, for a fantastic conversation. Next month, we're discussing what makes CMOs and CROs legends. Listen now to a sneak peek from our conversation with Justin Schreiber, Chief Marketing Officer at People.ai. So I think the third component is even though people may not have the drive that you have or the, the understanding, people will always respond if you ask them for help. Right. Emerson has a great quote. Uh, Every man is my superior in some way. And great leaders recognize that while they may be off the chart in 90% of the things they do, what is that 10% and how can I go find somebody that is better than me and genuinely ask them? And that's another way to inspire and motivate folks. You'll get that and more on our next episode of Mimeo's Talk of the Trade. Until then, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. Talk of the Trade is hosted by Mimeo, the better way to print. Find out more at www.mimeo.com.